This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. It's Sammy J, and welcome to this week's episode of Let's Be Real. This week's episode is with journalist and tech reporter Lori Siegel. You guys, I have always been so fascinated in technology and how social media is affecting all of us. And I think it's really affecting all of us this year, especially as we are quarantined. Lori Siegel has been an incredible journalist, and she has a really interesting perspective because she has been on the ground of technology when Instagram, Facebook, Twitter were just startups. She's been interviewing these founders for years, and she has an inside perspective that no one else has. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I cannot wait for your feedback. Hi, Lori. I am so excited to have you on my podcast I am fascinated by what you do because you have been on the ground since Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. They were just startups. (laughs) What's it like seeing the progression of these startups turn into billion-dollar companies? I mean, by the way, when you say that, I'm like, God, I feel so old. (laughs) (laughs) It's very recent, Um, though. Like, this is so new. I know. I think people forget. Like, it was – I mean, I, I, it's funny, I'm writing a book right now and I'm talking about my, my first interactions with the folks from like Instagram. And, and by the way, they're my age. Like I'm, first of all, I know you're 18, so you're young, but I'm 35 years old. Like I'm not that old, right? But yeah, you're time, not at all. 
Right. But like at the time uh, when I started covering technology, it was just like a, a bunch of us and we were just all really young. And I remember interviewing um, Kevin Systrom, who had this app called Instagram. And I remember us being out at the West Side Highway and it was just me and our camera guy. And, he, you know, I, I was still wearing the same black blazer that I wore on every single shoot because um, I wasn't sure exactly how to dress yet for, for television. And I remember being, you know, um, super interested in this idea of an app and I, and, and being like, well, why would people want to use this photo sharing app? And, you know, there were four people at the company at the time. It was before they sold to Facebook. Um, and, and it was when I would still ask these founders and I remember doing this, um, with the founder, one of the founders of Twitter, why would people use Twitter? I remember saying this to the founder of Uber, Travis Kalanick, why would people get into a stranger's car? Because you forget all of these things. It was really interesting. It was, you know, interviewing these founders when, before they turned into to the multimillionaires and the billionaires, and when they just felt um, very much like kind of your peers and people who didn't really play by the rules and, and had these ideas of things that could change the world. And it was a really optimistic time. And it very much in 2008, 2009, when I started covering technology, when I got into journalism as a young journalist, like I was just attracted to weirdos and it was just a bunch of weirdos. Um, and so that's how I got into it. When you talk to them now, is it different than when you used to? Do you still have that peer like similarity or do they act like these CEOs and feel as though that they are above you? Right. That's a good question. Um, some change and some don't, right? It's like um, it's like if you knew someone who was in a band that blew up, right? And then some remain very humble and then some change. I mean, that's an honest answer, I think. Um, but I, I remember when the change started happening, which was super interesting to me. Like I remember um, one day when I think it was it was Kevin from Instagram when he came in and all of a sudden he had more PR handlers with him. And then there were just more layers and layers and layers. And it used to be you just would email uh, one person and they would just respond back. Yeah. And I remember emailing like uh, the founder of Uber just to set up the interview. And then all of a sudden there were more PR handlers and more PR handlers. And then all of a sudden there was a multi-billion dollar company. And so it was super, I mean, it was super interesting. I interviewed Mark Zuckerberg during um, Cambridge Analytica, which was yeah. such a such a interesting time in tech. And it was, I think, a time when, we realized how much of our data was not as private as we thought it was. Terrifying. Um, Which was really uh, terrifying. And so it just, the whole ethos of technology changed and and it changed our culture and it changed everything we did and everything got a lot more complicated. It it really did. And I saw saw the social dilemma, terrifying, (laughs) but so important to watch. I have... Turned off all my notifications on all of my apps except Gmail because I need to for school. Yeah. But it's it really makes you look at how we've come far as a society with the technology. Yeah. When you were, you know, in 2008 and 2009, did you ever think that technology would have gone to such a place where it would take such a factor in polarizing our country? Um, no, I didn't. But I did, I did see it happening before it came, right? Yeah. Um. You know, I, I remember, uh, it's funny, I was looking through my notes um, from a, a talk I gave to some students at NYU, and this was years, this must have been like 2012. It was like a bunch of engineering students, and I, I was looking back, I'd saved this piece of paper, uh, and I, I'd written um, things to look out for. Um, and, and the number one thing I wrote, i written on this was empathy. Like, you've got to have, you, we've got to start thinking about empathy really early on. Yeah. 
But I remember being like, I think it's really important for these engineers to start thinking about the human impact um, because there was always this kind of ones and zeros, like tech's going to change the world and this black and white view of it. Um, and sometimes just like the human thing got lost. And every time I, I had like a bad story about tech or I was kind of like, you know, saying, OK, did you not see that this was going to happen? It was always kind of these human questions. And so I remember, um, you know, to this room full of engineers being like, you really need to think long and hard about the human impact of, of the algorithms and what you're doing. And that was years before this happened. Um, and I remember beginning to see the cracks in the, in the system, but kind of before it happened and, um, and saying, you know, tech is not taking responsibility for the content on its platform. And, and the questions are becoming more and more complicated. And I remember sitting across from um, Mark Zuckerberg and saying, how does it feel to be editor in chief of, you know, of the internet to some degree. And he didn't like that question, but I don't think I was ever um, mean in asking these questions as much as, and this has never been my style as a journalist, you know. Um, They're tough, just, but fair questions. They're fair questions uh, that we have the right to know. Yeah. And I, and I always thought it was important to ask founders, especially because I grew up with these founders and I believed in their products. And so I think um, I, I did see that polarization was going to happen, but to this degree, no. And could anyone have envisioned it? Um, probably not, but could, could tech have done a much better job? Uh, yes. Could they still be doing a better job? Yes. Like, do I buy it when they, um, you know, when I hear the canned company lines, we take user safety very seriously. I mean, like, no, (laughs) I'm trying to find a balance of having a healthy relationship with my phone and with social media devices, but you know, we are in a global pandemic. So now our way of communicating is through technology. So how have you try to find a balance between living a life, even though it's through a pandemic in a healthy way in technology? Not well. (laughs) Like, not well. (laughs) I mean, if I'm being authentic, I could say I could be doing a much better job of it. Yeah. I told you as I'm writing this book, like, I had to delete Facebook and Instagram for three or four days because I am not good at the middle ground. (laughs) You know, like yeah. I'm just not. And and so I think that's going to be a problem for these for these companies, um, because I, I do think we we're all in at this point, you know, and, yeah. and it's been programmed, um, as you probably saw in the social dilemma. You know, they've been programmed every product decision, whether it's like the color of the notifications, it's programmed to make our brain go buzz, you know, to get us to look at it. That part of the social dilemma was terrifying. So if they're programming things for our brain to respond to in a certain way, how do we take back control? I think there will be a new conversation in a couple years. I think tech is going to be a part of us. Like, we're not going to be able to just turn it off. Like, I do not believe, um, and maybe this is a little controversial to say, but like, we're in it. Like, we've opted in. We are all, like, technology is inherently a part of humanity now. And so to some degree, like we've got in, in this next phase, we've got to learn how to interact better with it. And, and we need new entrepreneurs to build better products with humanity first. And, and so that's a lot of responsibility. I, um, I interviewed a guy years ago who did um, predictive data analytics to determine if something like really bad was going to happen, um, like wow. a suicide bombing or something like awful. Um, and I remember in the middle of the interview, we never, we never published this part of the interview. Um, he was like a human algorithm. He didn't really have much social ability. Yeah. And in the, in the middle of the interview, he was like, you know, I, I looked at all your data, um, everything you've posted on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram over the last eight years. And he's like, and I, I know a lot about you. And I'm like, well, what Come do you on. know? 
And, uh, and he was like, well, you're unhappy in your relationship and you're growing unhappy at your job. And I was at CNN for 10 years and I was like, and by the way, like, I mean, I'll be honest, I'll be honest with you. Both of those things are kind of like true. Right. And, Hit them where and, it hurts. Yeah. And, and I remember, <laughs> I remember being like, ah, oh. I mean, it could be like a tarot card reading, right. Where you're kind of like, okay, like you are unhappy in this way and you just kind of go with it. But, but at least but, in a tarot card reading, you know, what well, that's what you're there to do. You're here to get this information. Totally. You're there in an interview. And he goes, totally. But, but I, you know, when I left, um, the job and I left, uh, the boyfriend at the time, um, you know, I, I called him up and I had said, like, how did you do that? And he said, every word you post, the time of day you post, the types of words, everything is an indicator. It creates this digital puzzle piece of who we are and what we're not saying. And and so I think there's actually something powerful there, right? Like, That's I don't think freaky. it's completely, I, totally freaky, right? But it, like, I'm sorry, I don't want to like scare all you. No, listening. no, but this is important to know. Right. But like advertisers are already are already doing this to us, right? So what if in the future, like we were able to some degree um, to be able to take advantage of that information ourselves? Like what if we had the capacity? What if down the line, like we had the capacity um, to understand more about our own data, about our mental health and what it said? And so, and so I only say this to say, as someone who's looked at the future and the zeitgeist and what people will be talking about down the line, I think there will be a new conversation around technology yeah. and how do we take all of these things and make them work for us as opposed to us working for them. Yeah. Um, take take so, the power back. Yeah. Like, you know, here, bring back like, the, I'm going to bring back my old punk rocker self, but like, yeah, like let's take the power back in some capacity. That's so interesting because it makes sense. You know, that it is programmed to benefit the companies and the data and to make it so we can have that power, you know. Um, I'm actually in my statistics class. We're doing this two-month project where okay. we are we choose four metrics about ourselves, um, and we record the results every day for two months, and then analyze the data to know more about ourselves. And one of them for me is checking my screen time. Right. And I've been very it's been making me much more cautious. Two years ago, my sophomore year of high school, my anxiety got really bad. And I shut off my phone for two weeks because I realized I was spending like 13 hours a day on my phone. Yeah. And totally. it's, we're at a point in, I think, technology where when I was in that vulnerable moment, it can be really bad, social media and technology for all of that. Yeah. So when you say compressing our data so we can know more about our human behaviors, do you think that would benefit us if for the people that are in vulnerable situations? I mean, look, I think it could go both ways. And by the way, this is technology in a nutshell. Like, I think having a lot of this data could be super helpful. Yeah. And then I think it could also hurt us too, you know? And, and I think that is where ethics are. And this is why, like, the sweet spot of my career has always been ethics. Like, I've always been screaming about ethics as long it's as, a, like, it's in, very in, underrated. Listen. It is really underrated. It's, like, not that sexy, but, like, now it's becoming more sexy because all these tech companies are under fire. Um, but, you know, it's it's the thing that kind of goes missing, um, and especially as something as powerful as technology. Like, I don't even think, you know, in the time I started covering tech, it's not a beat anymore. It's just humanity. Like, it's the way we love. It's politics. It's it's mental health. It's it's everything. Uh, I think I think it's a really good question, and I think and I don't think it has an easy answer, and I think the best questions don't have easy answers. I'm still figuring out what I want to do, but I really admire you as a journalist and as a reporter because that's something that I'm becoming really interested in. Um, and mm -hmm. you, like I've said, you've been following this for so many years. When you interviewed Mark Zuckerberg about the Cambridge Analytica, 
First of all, that interview was incredible because that was like the first time I really saw him take accountability to some degree. How did you go into that interview and did you expect to get those answers? It's an interesting question. You know, I go into any um, high pressure interview, like hoping if so, first of all, I think it's always in any, in any interview, always about the follow up, right? Like I always know that they have the thing that they want to say that they need to say. So you just got to let them say it and then you got to listen and then you got to follow up. Like that's, that's always my key. So like, you know, and I also understand that like, you've got to know, um, I remember, remember thinking like, um, I had messaged Mark on Facebook, (laughs) um, during that. The irony. Like people think that, uh, I mean, by the way, people think these things are so difficult. Um, and by the way, it's hard to get an interview in March. Sure. Like, but, but people also like, it's like people forget what technology you should just like, uh, you know, a lot of people have like these booking departments that book for them. You just and reach out to him on like, Facebook. I mean, he I, would be on it. It is his platform. <laughs> I mean, yeah. doesn't it make sense? Like as a, as someone who's covered technology for a really long time. Yeah. So, you know, I, and then I followed up with this peer person, but um, I remember going out there, um, and I mean, by the way, it like, couldn't have been more dramatic because like a storm <laughs> was coming in um, into New York. Like I think my life is constantly a bit of a, it's like, a, like a, my life is a bit of a Seinfeld episode always. I feel like if it were Anderson Cooper, like it would have just been like the sky's You are the main character. And like, and like, you know, you know, and, and oh everything you can imagine went wrong. Um, but I do remember going in and thinking, um, this is such a big moment and and it was the moment for me that technology had become a uh, society because everyone cared. Like it wasn't just my inside baseball tech friends that cared. Like, like yeah. Facebook had managed to piss off so many people in this. And, and, and it just was such a and larger. And so many people's data. And so many people's and, and, you know, and their messaging had not been good. And, and also just an understanding of what went wrong. And, and I just, remember going in and, and, um, thinking about how small the room felt, you know, and how big the story was. Like, yeah. it was like this small cold room. Cause Mark likes it really cold. You do interviews. <laughs> um, and so I remember like freezing and then we had the CNN countdown clock and I was just, um, but I just remember I wanted him and this is important to me. And I'm sure you understand this as someone who interviews people. I wanted him to feel like himself because if he felt like himself, then he would say the things he needed to say. Got to make you feel um, comfortable. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it, but it was also, it's always so balanced because, you know, I wanted him to feel comfortable, but I also, you know, there was a lot to speak to and there's a lot of accountability in that moment. Um, and, and so it's interesting because we, we did the interview um, and, and we kept going because we went past our allotted time. Um, but he started, you know, he really started talking. Um, did his PR person cut you off and be like, it's time to go? Or did they just let it happen? Yeah. I mean, I think like, cause they we were only supposed to chat like 20 minutes, but I think he really started, you know, and he was really kind of, I think getting his rhythm too. And, and so he went past what we were supposed to talk. So we spoke probably for 30 minutes or even more. Um, and, and, you know, when he was answered, it was the first time they said, he said that, um, Facebook should be regulated. It was, um, he said he would be willing to testify. And so we made a lot of news. And by the way, that, a lot of that came from follow-ups um, and, and really kind of pushing him on some of these things, but also because we had the time too. And, and we took the time. And, and by the way, I'm thinking, well, I think I have to be live in like an hour and a half. How are we going to do this? But, you know, and, and, but it's also kind of like everything else disappears. And, um, and it's just you and that person. And, and it's also understanding the context of what's around you. And, 
um, and not walking in. And I, I've never been kind of a gotcha person. And yeah. I don't believe in taking the cheap shot. But I also don't believe in just listening to people kind of, you know, saying their sound bites. And I also think people are more understood when they get beyond their sound bites. Like I actually exactly. think like, I actually think they'll be more happy with the interview if they're able to actually say more too, and you can push them and challenge them in, in the right way. So I think we got into a good cadence. I mean, I think it was a historical moment in tech. I think that, you know, it's like an almost famous, like the guy with his like eyes wide open, like where you gotta, <laughs> you gotta just like, you know, everything changes and, and you got to ask the hard questions and, and tech has become for all the good has created a lot of bad. And there's a lot of accountability to be had and a lot of complicated questions. Yeah. And I want to be the one asking those questions. Do you think in your personal opinion, because you've been doing this for a long time, do you think it was meaningful? Do you think it was um, just another way to take accountability, but not truly mean it? Because that's what happens a lot. I think that I think it was meaningful. I think that Facebook was going through a huge transition at the time. I, I think that Facebook had to grow up, truthfully. And, and yeah. I think they were growing up. I think that for a very long time, they didn't understand, um, you know, that they needed to be more open with the media and more open with other people, that, that kind of thing. And I, and I think that um, that all changed um, after so much went wrong with the election and, you know, in 2016 with Cambridge Analytica, it was one, two, three, and people lost their patience. Um, and so they had no choice and they had to start putting Mark out there. And Mark didn't have to be out there before, you know, but it's interesting yeah. because he hadn't done tons of press. So by the time he was starting to do press, like, um, I had this joke, it's kind of like puberty's painful, especially when you're prom king. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like you're going out there as one of the most powerful people and now in the world, but you haven't been out there much. And, and yeah. so it was such a fascinating, um, fascinating thing to to be a part of it especially because i think i have a nuanced view of technology just because i kind of grew up in it we have to take a quick break but when we come back we're going to be talking more about how do we know what's true on the internet how we can take back the power and the incredible documentary the social dilemma i'm katia adler host of the global story over the last 25 years i've covered conflicts in the middle east political and economic crises in europe drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. 
And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. What are your thoughts when Mark Zuckerberg went before Congress and talked about his defense in not fact-checking people's posts? I mean, how do we make sure we get the correct information out there when the founder of Facebook won't even ensure that? Well, I think it's it's a hard it's a it's a hard question, right? Because um, you know, Mark has the famous line of he doesn't want to be the arbiter of truth, right? Like, and and you almost to a degree, like, do you trust Mark Zuckerberg to be fact-checking things like that? You know, and, and for for a very long time, it's like what was, I think it's a larger conversation of what what role and responsibility do you want to put on technology? And and I think it's an important societal question. And it's one that has like completely clashed in the last couple of years, because for so long, uh, when I interviewed tech founders, whether it was, um, you know, Jack Dorsey or Ed Williams from Twitter or any any of these guys, it was we're just the pipes. We're not responsible um, for for the content on our platforms. Well, that's all changing now, you know. Yeah. And and now because you have misinformation, you have so much stuff that has gone wrong. You have hate that's literally turned offline, gone viral, and is like changing user behavior, changing elections. You know, it's time for a change. And and so I think there's a larger conversation now about what should those laws be and should big tech be regulated, which I think the answer is a hard yes, but what kind of regulation is, you know, is the right type of regulation and who should be doing it and what is right and what is wrong. Exactly. I think it's been interesting in this election to see um, when Donald Trump tweets, you'll see Twitter will, will put- Say it's misinformation. Their, it yeah. makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but that wasn't the case like four years ago. And and even Facebook, you know, it's interesting to see how they both handle them different. But I, I mean, there's so much more pressure on it now. But misinformation is, you know, I, I think at the time I've been covering uh, tech, like even this idea of truth has been so just- and, and, what is truth anymore? It's so scary exactly. to see that we are all living in these different realities and this utopia of technology that was going to connect the world. And that, that these hippies that I knew who were engineers, who were musicians with tattoos and thought they were going to change everything have created some of the most profound problems that we will be facing uh, and, and that will become the problems that we and our children will deal with. And that have fractured society in a way that is so fundamental. It is extraordinary because they did not think of the human impact of the algorithms. 
Um, and, and so do I want Mark Zuckerberg fact checking me? No, but do <laughs> I think that they could have done a better job and a more consistent job and thought of these questions earlier? A thousand percent. Yeah. And I, I think like you were saying, it's really scary that like in the social dilemma it showed you could search climate change in like New York and then search it somewhere else in like Alabama and completely different results will show yeah. up. So it, it really does blur what the truth is to speak to that. Like, how do we even find the truth now? How do we know what it is? Right. Well, it's funny because it's like we have our version of the truth, right? Like, it's like what we believe is true. And then it's like... But facts. <laughs> and and facts, right? You know, and then you have... Um, I mean, by the way, I did a lot of work on QAnon and looking at QAnon and conspiracy theories and whatnot, which is this group that was amplified, by the way, by Facebook, um, of, you know, folks who just completely do not believe in any version. They believe their own version of what they believe is true. Um, and it's just extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, I think you have distrust in mainstream media now in a way that you have never, ever had before. And if that's for many reasons, I believe, I think mainstream media has changed quite a bit. And then you also yeah. have uh, the president who's attacked mainstream media uh, for the last four years. And, and so all of these things have come together. And the internet, it's like created this perfect storm um, and this moment of time amplified by technology. It, it's so fascinating how much of a role technology plays into all this because someone might not think it at first glance. Something that I find really interesting is that, like you said, mainstream media, it's very controversial now. But, for example, like when Fox News declared that Biden's president, are they fake news now? It, it's like that blurred of right. what is right. personal reality. Right. You know, I actually think— um, down the line, um, I have a company called dot, dot, dot media, right? We're, um, we're a niche kind of media company, but I actually think there's going to be a lot of room. Um, and this isn't just me plugging or doing, I, I genuinely think, and you see it popping up all over the place. Like, I, I think we're going to see a lot of alternative channels, um, of people just living in their own version, you know, um, for better and for worse to, to some degree. How do we degree. fix that? Because <laughs> technology can be very scary. And I, I, will, I think we need to create, do everything we can. So what can the people listening do that feel helpless? Because this is very scary and it could go down a very dark path. But how can we reverse that? How can we make it so technology can be used to impact society for the good and make the impact for the negative much less? Well, I think also, I mean, I think even being a little more um, cognizant of what you're reading and what you're tweeting and what you're sharing. I mean, I know that sounds so simple, but even Twitter, I think, recently made a product change where instead of just retweeting, they ask you um, or, you know, they do you want to like quote something first and then retweet it? That Same with product, Instagram. It's a few Instagram right? stories now. They check. Yeah. You know, that that product decision actually made a huge difference in people spreading misinformation. So first of all, that can come from the top. Tech companies can do something and they should be doing something. It shouldn't just be lip service, you know? Um, and then I think people have a responsibility too. Um, but we are in a moment of, of pain. Like we are in a moment where people are so angry, where everyone is on their own sides. Like I even think, um, you know, with this election and with people out uh, celebrating or being unhappy or, you know, I think part of, um, part of, I, I am part-time with a new initiative for 60 minutes and I spent time with militia groups and QAnon and the, a group called the Boogaloo boys who are carrying around AR-15s and they're very anti-government and wow. No. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, you know, like, <laughs> but 
you know, but the, the thing is, I think people um, and pain is real and people have lost jobs and we are in a tough spot and the internet makes a lot of that worse. And, and I think uh, empathy, I still go back to that line that I, uh, that I wrote that I was trying to talk to entrepreneurs about. I think, um, you know, if we want to get out of the polarization, we've got to talk to each other to some degree, right? Um, You know, I I think that that's important and not just stay in our own lane and stay in our own side. And that can be not just on the internet, but in in real life, believe it or not, imagine that, Um, you know, and and, and listening, you know, even if you don't agree with it, I, I think tech companies have a huge responsibility. I think they will be regulated. And I think they need diversity, and I think they needed more people that aren't white men, truthfully. Um, in that their is ranks. Silicon Valley. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's important too. And and I think um, there's a lot there's a lot of work to do. I mean, I wish I could have one answer and wave my my magic wand and fix it. And I think you need nuanced content. I've always believed in this. I I was never a fan of just doing two minutes on TV of like, oh, and here it is. So is that what you're trying to do with your media company? Dot dot dot. For me, um, looking at technology through the looking at humanity through that lens, looking at issues like the unintended consequences of tech, looking at issues like love and politics and you name it, mental health is a big one. Um, looking at these corner stories and the, the people that people kind of turn away from, um, and being able to tell their stories in a, a more interesting, nuanced way that's not people shouting at each other that allows yeah. us to hit it from all sides. Um, that's always been something I, I feel uh, pretty strongly about. And, and hearing those stories from the powerhouses in Silicon Valley, but also the people that are ignored. I got the name. I remember someone telling me I was the human equivalent of dot, dot, dot. Like, you know, when you're texting someone, and you're just waiting. <laughs> and you're like, what are they going to say? Um, I love I, that. I, yeah. I'm like, I feel like this moment is so dot, 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 right? Like, we yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Um, we're just kind of waiting for it to play out. And we're anxious. And the, like when we yeah, see those dot, dot, dots, what's, you know, what are they I, saying? And there's so much to say. Um, and we just don't know what's going to be said. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with not tying the bow. I think that's the story of my life. Like I'm totally okay with not tying the bow. You see, know? that's hard for me because I like to know things and I like to have things planned out. So right. I, it, it, it's, it's, it's social media. I think media. that might be your worst nightmare. <laughs> it really is. That's why the time that we're living in, very scary for me as someone who likes yeah. to know what's happening. Yeah. Okay, we have to take one more quick break. But when we come back, I want to know who your best interview was, your worst interview, and your toughest interview you've ever had. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. You've interviewed so many people from Mark Zuckerberg to Bill Gates. What has been your toughest interview, your favorite interview, and if you can answer your worst interview? (laughs) Um, my favorite interview, my worst interview. Um, well, I guess I'm going to talk about it probably in the book. So I guess I could, I could give some hints at it. Um, my least favorite interview, um, maybe I won't say his name because that's going to come out in the book, but a founder of a big tech company that we all know, he, uh, I remember asking him about women's safety because it was at a time when, uh, the company was dealing with many issues. This was like an online company. Um, and I remember sitting in the newsroom with him and I had put him on camera before a lot of people. It was one of those, yeah. uh, big, big tech, multimillionaire, probably billionaire founder. And I remember, uh, him taking off his mic and saying, Lori, like Lori. And I was like, what, you know? And he's like, I didn't know this was that kind of interview. And I was like, what do you mean? What kind of interview? Um, and uh, he, I, and and he was like that kind of interview, and and I remember him talking with turning over and talking to his PR person and discussing if he was going to leave. Um, and, and I think for me that was the moment that I don't know if it's probably like shit got real. Yeah, it's like that was the moment where it was like, wait a second, I'm not here to be your mouthpiece, right? I've always been fair. I've always treated people with respect. I've always asked the hard questions, but I've always, you know, I've always treated people with kindness and with respect. Um, I think for me, that was, that was a pretty extraordinary moment because it showed this, it was, it was when the minnows turned to sharks, like when Silicon Valley, I think had officially kind of crossed over from me and not everyone in Silicon Valley was like that, right? At all, by the way, at all. But 
the arrogance there that that this person had a company that was worth more than like Campbell's soup, right? Like, you know, and and um and that didn't think that he needed to answer questions on on basic questions. Like what about like we take women's safety very seriously? Like, you know, and 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 I think that was so that was probably my worst. I mean he stayed for the rest of the interview, but that was that got weird. Um let's see. Toughest. The tough interviews are when people don't want to say something and they need to say something. You know, the tough interviews are a dance and like the other person's and you're just like, you feel like you're doing like, like you feel like you're doing like, yeah, you're doing like a ninja dance and they're just like fox trotting. I love that comparison. You know, and it's like, so that, that's, um, this can be tough. I won't name specific names for that either. I don't, don't be mad at me, but I can't right now. (laughs) And then the good interviews for me, I love interviews that enable people to some degree to take their power back. Um, you know, I did a lot. It wasn't just the the tech founders that I interviewed um, that were my quote favorite interviews. Like my favorite interviews were, um, you know, women who have been, uh, you know, I did a whole special back in the day when people didn't even know what the word like revenge porn was, which is like a horrible type of harassment, like mostly against women where, where like men post images of naked women online. It's like a form of like power and all sorts of stuff. And, and it wasn't even in the dictionary at the time and women couldn't get their images off the internet. It would ruin lives. And I remember interviewing a woman named Nikki, um, who was, who was so scared to go on camera. And when I did put her on camera, she said, every time I look at someone, I wonder if they've seen me naked. And I couldn't even envision what that would feel like and the shame and the humiliation it it would be for someone, um, you know, to, and and what that would do to your psyche, right. To walk around and wonder uh, if people around you had, you know, had seen you like that. And, and it was just such a, a, the, the type of harassment it was that this guy, he had taped her without her consent, all this types of stuff, type of stuff. It was just such a, a form of power. And, and when she, we did this interview, it was almost like pointing the camera at her with her consent, right? Like she was able to take back that power back. And I, and I really, that I liked. And, and so like I've interviewed hackers and, and, um, and victims of, um, you know, of crimes and all sorts of stuff. So I, I think those are, probably more my favorite interviews. And then some founders, I, yeah. And then founders I think are also really interesting. Yeah. Life is messy and I like people who talk about it, you know? It's so interesting. I've been into, um, San Quentin, the prison and interviewed a lot of prisoners about, um, they, they have a really interesting startup program where they teach them how to code there, but I've interviewed a lot of them about their crimes and what makes them you know, what makes them a good entrepreneur also. So there's like a fine line between that thing that makes you a good entrepreneur, like, and, and also what can, if the, those skills used in a bad way can be very, very bad. And, and so I also, I've always been um, a big believer and kind of walking into situations that you might, that might make you uncomfortable and, and going in in like a very real, genuine, non-judgmental way and trying to understand human nature. I think technology has always just been my way into talking about the human condi- condition if I do my job right. You mentioned a book. Is that coming soon? Yes, I have a book. It's coming um it's coming in August of 2021. So hopefully things will be better and I can go on a book tour and you know hopefully by then we'll we'll have we'll, you know be uh we'll be in a better position in, in society, but it's going to be a lot of these stories. Um, it's all a, we get my a preview. Story. Yeah, I'll I'll send it to you. It's it's going to be called dot dot dot. So it'll nice. it's all about yeah, it's very on brand. So it's all about 
um, you know, tech and society and this, this second wave of tech and asking for what you want. And it's, it's my story, but it's really kind of the story of, um, of kind of this, this second wave of tech. So it's, it should be hopefully exciting. Well, I am so excited. And like we've talked about 2020 has been a crazy year. Um, and I've been feeling very helpless like many others. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted for this season, I wanted to highlight a charity each episode so we can bring attention to some good in the world. So I was wondering if you have a charity that you're passionate about that we should highlight and talk about. Mm. You know, I've always, I've always supported charity water, but I feel like, I, I mean, I also feel like there's room for, for other ones. So if I come up with another one, I'm going to send you some other links if that's okay, okay. too. Okay. Or, we will include it and I will link it in my bio and it's, we'll mention Okay. It. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, and thank you. I appreciate your time. It's been fun. Awesome. It was so great to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I will be listening. I love your stuff. So I'll be listening to all your interviews. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Let's Be Real. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, leave a comment because I always love to hear your feedback. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at itsammyj, that's I-T-S-S-A-M-M-Y-J-A-Y-E. And also go follow Lori Siegel on all her social media. It's Lori Siegel. And please check out her multimedia company, dot, dot, dot. It's really cool and I think you'll like it. And if you're still here, I have a little sneak peek for you because next week's guest is singer, songwriter, dancer, Tate McRae. And it's an awesome conversation. And I am so ready for you to listen to it next Tuesday. Stay tuned. Bye, guys. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh, my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.